Hello and welcome to Views from the Market, Mid-Market Private Equity and M&A Canada. My name is Mario Negro. I'm a partner in the Private Equity M&A Group at Sykeman Elliott. For today's podcast, I'd like to welcome as our special guest, Eric Bremerman. Eric is a partner in the corporate group at Steichman Elliott here in the Toronto office. Eric, thank you for joining us and welcome. My pleasure, Meryl. Eric, you have a unique history and I know it's going to play a big part in terms of our conversation today, but you really focus a lot on European M&A, both in and out of Canada, and you have an incredible amount of experience. It kind of flows through your histories. Well, we start by talking about our guest's history and telling us a little bit about themselves and uh, would love to do that with yourself. And, and I think we're, that's going to lead us into a great conversation about uh, M&A activity and what we see in Canada. So, so I'd love to learn a little bit more about yourself and what you do at Steichman. Sure, Meryl. Yeah, so being Canadian born, but of, of German parents, uh, I've spent really most of my life uh, you know, living in between both countries in, in a way also speak the language so i speak german and i really spent you know the last uh, more than 20 years of my legal career in that german canadian corridor i'm going to say german canadian for the purposes of the discussion today but you know there isn't an elegant way in english to kind of speak to sort of the the german speaking region which includes you know switzerland and, and austria as well but really that you know when you look at just the size of the german economy that's what the focus of my my practice has been and have the have the privilege really to travel between the countries and over there at least uh, four or five times a year on matters on on business development and sometimes even for pleasure. So uh, I like to think that I'm you know really integrated on the ground over there. So love to share some of those uh, some of the thoughts and experiences I've just you know gained just recently traveling uh, you know, back to Germany this year. Eric, you've been involved in. You know, European M&A, particularly, you know, German and German-speaking M&A in terms of Canadian activity for a long time. And uh, you have a history that precedes even the Canada-Europe Free Trade Agreement. You've seen the kind of what I would call the ups and downs of the space. You know, your history is unique in that sense and that you've been committed to the space for a very long time. And I want to get a sense where you think things are at today in terms of activity and, you know, European interest in Canada particularly German interest in Canada and the, the kind of activity you're seeing. And obviously, Europe's going through a lot of issues right now, the same ones as we are with inflation and interest rates and supply chain, but also with the war and you know, the energy crisis. So to get your thoughts on what you're seeing on you know, European and particularly German m and in Canada at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and, and let me answer that question a little, a little more broadly as well, and then sort of zero in on a, on, on a few points that are, I think, very uh, topical today. Um, and I think what will shape uh, you know, so the M&A markets um, you know, in, in that corridor over the next year or so. And I think I'd like to start by saying, and I'm, I'm sure you see this too, Mario, in, you know, when you're in New York or, or London or Frankfurt, people talk a lot about, well, what, you know, what, special, what area do you specialize in? What sectors do you specialize in? You know, and here at Steichmann's in, in both my practice, I mean, I always say to people, well, in Canada, you have to be careful to become over-specialized because... Even areas like like mining, where you would think you uh, would never run out of work, you know, the market can be hot or cold. So, so my practice over 20 years has been really, uh, I've really been involved in a lot of different sectors. Early on, you know, real estate, then automotive, you know, then decline of automotive in you know post uh, you know 2008 financial crisis. So, I, I like to sort of say that my practice really evolves with what's going on in that German Canadian quarter that I'm so active in. 
And, uh, you know, there was one, and, and I should also say, you know, despite having that very broad practice, I co-chair the energy group here at Steichman's. And I want to sort of speak to that for a moment because it talks a little bit about specialization and also will sort of tie into where I, where I see a lot of opportunity in the next little while. And that is, you know, in between Canada and Germany, there's always a, a spirit of great cooperation. Um, there's lots of trade that flows between Canada and Germany with a fifth largest trading partner to, to Germany. A lot of Canadians don't know that. But, you know, we don't make the news very often. But, you know, there's sort of moments in time when, when things shift. And, and I mentioned, you know, the 2009 financial crisis. Well, you know, when the dollar went to $1.10, a lot of German automotive parts manufacturers, you know, saved their plants in the U.S. and then shuttered their Canadian plants. So that was a moment in time where we lost a lot of German automotive investment. But then our government launched the Green Energy Act in Ontario. And you may remember, you know, back then our energy minister Smitherman went over to, to Germany and Spain, looked at their feed-in tariff models for renewable energy procurement and said, well, this would be a great idea to, you know, one, get us off coal in Ontario and two, have some industrial development around it. So they launched the Green Energy Act. I happened to have worked on a wind project around 2008 for, for a client of the firm. You know, fast forward to 2009, I'm speaking at a solar conference in Berlin. You know, we passed the Green Energy Act and suddenly we caused this gold rush of activity, project developers, supply chain, project finance. And, and we work on developing these wind and solar projects, of course, then get through the whole you know, M&A cycle. It really produced sort of a gold rush of, of, of almost a decade of work. So at that time, Mario, there was probably years where half my time was spent somewhere in that renewable energy space in, in M&A in project finance, working with our banking teams and, um, and other specialists at the firm. But those moments don't happen very often in the Canadian-German relationship. But I, I do feel that we're, we're sort of on the cusp of another one here now. And you and I have talked about this, Mario, you know, if, if we would have been in, you know, before this year, when I was last in Germany in the end of 2019, you know, we talked about Brexit, we talked about, you know, US politics, we talked about what CETA would mean for European Canadian trade, then the pandemic hits. Now, you know, we've had a war, uh, as you've alluded to, we've got an energy crisis, we've got inflation. So suddenly the themes in that corridor have, have changed a lot. And, you know, it could have meant that there was, you know, that Canada was, would be pushed to the sidelines and, and Germany would be more focused on the US, for example. That's not what's happened. In fact, just because of the alignment of our, of our governments, the Trudeau government, you know, the, the, the Schultz-led coalition government in Germany, they're very aligned ideologically, politically, and it's, it's really sort of caused a, a coming together at the highest levels. And I think that's what's great about your experience, Eric, that you've seen the ups and downs of the relationship uh, and the interest of, of Europeans and Germans in particular in M&A activity. And I guess we're probably going to go there next. You're probably leading the tour. I was going to say is, Obviously, we had the Canada-Europe Free Trade Agreement. I know you and I were excited about what it represented for European activity in Canada because the fact that it, it did make trade with Europe easier. I know we saw some increases there in activity, but nothing super dramatic. But yet, as you pointed out, I think the last year particularly, but the last couple of years, there's kind of a newfound interest in a whole new variety of different areas. So I've I think that's probably where you're going. And, and I agree. I think there's kind of a new look to Canada from Europe and new, new interests and new, new possibilities for investment and M&A activity. Yeah. And, and let me just sort of frame it, you know, on August 21st, you know, the German chancellor 
with a big delegation, including you know, CEOs of industry, you know, the outgoing CEO of Volkswagen, the CEO of you know, Siemens Renewable. They were all here for three days. You know, normally we get visits like that on the front or a tail end of a Washington visit. You know, we haven't had a German chancellor visit since uh, since 2015 when when Angela Merkel was here. So this was a very high level visit. Of course, they came here with the focus of looking for Canadian LNG. And I think, you know, they learned that we don't have East Coast LNG to offer right now. But, you know, the, the discussion turned to hydrogen, you know, the discussion turned to critical minerals. And I don't want to sort of overstate the importance of a political visit, but frankly, you know, also speaking to kind of people after the visit in industry now, people are starting to do the hard work and people are seeing where there's just a lot more room to, to grow in that relationship in industry. And I think what we're going to see, and, and you know, usually it, it gets led by a couple of large investments and you see, for example, you know, Volkswagen and Mercedes as a part of that visit, having signed MOUs. You know, that I'm going to just to simplify, say it relates to kind of critical mineral supplies for you know EV and battery production. So when the big German industrials and, and of course, in the U.S., this has happened for years, you know, in, in Atlanta and South Carolina, you've got Mercedes, you've got BMW, you've got you know, Chattanooga, you've got all these different investments that we've never gotten. We just haven't gotten the big OEMs in, in Canada. But here's an opportunity on the EV and battery supply chain side tied with kind of a critical minerals aspect to it, you know, for there to be significant investments in, in Ontario and, and beyond. And I think those investments are significant in itself. And, you know, they, I think we will see more announcements in, in the next while, but that whole supply chain that, that the ecosystem around it will look to Canada and, you know, they will look to it both in terms of greenfield, but also look to it in terms of M&A into our you know automotive sector into battery cycling into battery technology so i think that's one sector where we are going to see a lot of focus on canada and frankly mayor i'm like i'm, I'm seeing it now i'm you know over the probably over the last three to six months i'm seeing a lot of strategic interest m a interest into canada and and it goes beyond automotive i think the interesting part is and, and again let me pause there for a moment because where I want to go is where I'm sort of seeing generally sort of the M&A trend and why there's a focus on Canada right now. No, and I, and I think you hit it. I mean, maybe before we get there, Eric, what's unique about your practice has been like the breadth of the activity that you see. You've worked for strategics. You've been kind of seeing it from across industries. And I think, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think you, you said historically the investment into Canada you kind of European image, and I see this even from Italian companies. In my experience, has tended to be you know traditional, what I would call uh, Canadian type economy type businesses, automotive, industrial, food. That's kind of been the historical. And I, you know, tell me if you think otherwise, but that seems to be the vast majority of the historical investments. And yet, there's an opportunity, I think, from an M and A activity to start seeing a whole new level of sectors. Uh, and you, you're hitting on it. I know we're going to talk a bit about even a bit more about the energy, but I know that there's, you know, Germans have a strong tech presence they're trying to build and trying to grow from from a capital point of view. And there's the renewables. And, and so there's a lot of other sectors there, I think, that have the potential to really become new places of substantive economic activity between Canada and Europe. 
Yeah, and it sort of ties into, you know, our, a few different things are really coming together. I mean, on the Canadian side, you think about, you know, our finance minister, I, I think she's coined the phrase of, you know, onshoring and friendshoring. And that fits very much with, I think, you know, Germans looking around and saying geopolitically, you know, we need to align ourselves with our friends. And Canada happens to be a friend that has tremendous amount of resources. And I think, you know, our goal here in Canada is not to just simply sell those resources, but, you know, bring that high value manufacturing to our shores. And the interesting thing is we have sort of two reasons why that, I think, has a lot of reason, you know, to, to be successful. You mentioned, Mayor, earlier energy inflation, I'll even call it an energy crisis. But in Europe right now, you know, there's not an, an abundance of cheap energy, plentiful energy. That goes without saying, you know, for the large industrials, for example, or even smaller manufacturing companies. But the other part is clean energy. And I happened to, as, as, as part of the, the chancellor visit, had a chance to, you know, to have sort of a, you know, a, a small group session with one of the automotive CEOs and, and he pulled out, you know, an app in this discussion, looking at the CO2 intensity of places where they manufacture in the world. And, you know, the bad areas were in red and the good areas were in green. And, and you can imagine kind of that color continuum in between or, or spectrum in between, you know, and as he looked at it, you know, he kind of said, well, here's Ontario, here's Quebec. You know, this is really very green. And, and you know, we all know that, you know, we've got, you know, between our hydro and our and our nuclear and our wind uh, uh, resources and, and gas, you know, uh, peaking capacity, we've got a very green energy grid here in Ontario and, and Quebec and other provinces. So, you know, there plentiful, abundant energy plus clean energy is going to translate into Canada being a very interesting place to manufacture, especially in energy intensive areas. And you mentioned also the tech side of it, of course, you know, whether it's AI, you know, whether it's the type of things that the Siemens of the world are doing in terms of managing you know, energy grids and more efficient energy grids, that whole ecosystem starts to come together. And, you know, Canada is a place where Europeans aren't worried about their intellectual property. So there's all these. And, and you know, in, in the little time we have here, Mayor, we can't talk about it all. But I just see a whole lot of stars aligning for why people are going to invest in, in our market. And, and I just want to sort of add to that also. You know, you could say, well, the U.S. has some of those those factors as well. But, you know, when we're talking about mid-market M&A, German mid-market M&A is, is larger than Canadian mid-market M&A, but smaller than U.S. mid-market M&A. You know, especially, you know, now when you're looking into a, an environment where, you know, it's, it's tougher to, to, to put in place the debt piece, you know, the strategics, they, they, they have cash. But to do a mid-market deal in Canada is a lot easier to get through an investment committee than, than to think about doing one in the U.S. So I think sort of in the mid-market especially, apart from the kind of the, the, the broader sort of picture I've tried to paint in terms of why there's an interest in Canada, I think just also, you know, very simply, you know, the, from, a, from a de-risking of an investment, from being in a market that, you know, is, is also in terms of being able, under CETA, being able to move people, people into the market, you know, welcoming open place, that all speaks to why people might want to invest here. And of course, as we know from you know, a lot of other investments that you and I have worked on over the years, I mean, the proximity of the U.S. market is, is also attractive. So they're buying into Canada, but they're also getting an avenue into the U.S. So that's sort of very broadly mirrored for me are just some of those, you know, kind of key reasons of why we are going to see 
more activity and, and I'm seeing it on the ground every day. There's, you know, whereas in the pandemic, the, the direct inbound investments, especially from strategics, was a little more challenged. You know, I really see things opening up. I want to kind of shift to kind of where we're at and where we're going. Uh, I mean, I always ask our panelists a bit about, the, I call it the crystal ball question, you know, a bit about the future and, and their take on it. And, you know, given the environment that we're in and where we're going, I mean, from your perspective, are you seeing a lot of activity now with European buyers, even with the war and, and inflation and all that's going on? And where do you think it's going to go, given some of the forces we've talked about? And what are you planning for or hoping for? For the for what do you think it's going to go next year? Yes. Yeah, so I think on, on the one hand, you know, if you're looking at the gyrations of the public markets and if you read too much, you might get really worried about where things are, are headed. But, you know, I think generally speaking at the firm, and, and, and I'll speak to just to, to my particular practice and sort of the visibility I have on activity and, again, in that sort of that triangle between German-speaking Europe, Canada, and the U.S., and particularly on the inbound side from Germany, I'm very encouraged with what I'm seeing in terms of the pipeline of deals they're not moving perhaps quite as quickly as they were when things were really, really heated. But but I'll say this, a lot of the, you know, and you and I have talked about this a lot, right? Whereas, you know, you've also done a lot more work on the private equity side. I tend to be more on the strategic side. And of course, there isn't a lot of direct inbound private equity into into Canada. So the strategics and a lot of this is the, you know, and whether it's it's in tech, whether it's the industrials, whether it's in the, the high-end retail sector and consumer product sector, They've really been on the sidelines because they didn't have the stomach for competing in oversubscribed auctions anymore. And I don't know how many times, you know, we took deals to where we thought we were close, nice mid-market deals, right? Like anywhere between, you know, 30 to $150 million deals. And, you know, we, the clients thought that they had the relationship with the business, you know, the target on the ground, and that would, you know, count for something. They wanted to keep the executive teams in place, you know, really sort of that, like when Germans buy companies, they tend to do it with a real view to the long term. So they just basically would get outbid in these auctions. And I think the environment now where it's not as overheated environment where, you know, having a little more cash matters is actually causing them to come and look at opportunities again where they maybe weren't doing that as much over the last couple of years. And also, you know, managing the pandemic, they were often more focused on, on shoring up, you know, their own operations, making sure they're efficient. And, you know, internationalization wasn't, you know, a, agenda item number one. But what I want to add to that is if you're sitting right now in Germany or Central Europe, and in terms of where you want to invest, and I was just working on, on, on a transaction in the, uh, just say broadly in the resource sector, you know, the, these people had investments in Austria, in Finland, in, in Russia, which has had to divest. Well, you know, where can you invest? Europe is challenging right now. Obviously, there's no-go zones with respect to Russia. You know, I think decoupling from China is a very simplistic view of the world and, and probably not workable and nor would we want to go there. But, you know, making investments in Asia right now is, is also challenging. So I just think that the focus on, on North America is there we're perceived as a growth market and i think specifically for the reasons we've talked about earlier in terms of just you know political ideological alignment and also less risky transactional environment i think canada just sort of top of the list in terms of investment 
destinations. Yeah, no, and and to your point, Derek. I mean, we've been hearing more about trading with friends and focusing on uh, deals with friendly countries. Uh, this kind of new concept of I know it's being pushed by our government, but even by European governments of friendly country type activity and uh, friendly country M and A activity. At least that's what governments are saying they're going to accept which opens up more opportunities definitely for European M&A activity, both in and out of Canada. Yeah. And I think, Mary, when you look at it, if more investment decisions that were going into you know other parts of the world that I mentioned a moment ago, where it's challenging to invest right now, if we get our fair share of that attention, that's already enough to drive quite a bit of transactional activity. So, again, I'm not sure that six months ago I, I would have seen it the same way. I probably would have thought more, you know, obviously lots of challenges in Europe, you know, with respect to inflation and energy costs, inflation. So you'd think that it might cause people to sort of really, you know, sit on their hands. But that's not what's happening. And again, the catalysts of having, you know, that political and industrial uh, representative visit at the highest level just helps, you know, kind of motivate people to look at Canada. And I know, you know, whether it's the Business Council or other groups in Canada that were, you know, part of that visit from from this side, you know, they also want to move faster. So as, and now I think there's been a political catalyst, but industry also wants to move forward. And, you know, from here, Mary, we've talked about it and maybe we can do this for in another session. I do also think it's obviously, it's, it's certainly a much smaller proportion of, of my practice. But, you know, in a post-Brexit world, I think, you know, some Canadian corporates are also looking at continental Europe, um, you know, rather than perhaps, you know, channeling their investment through London. But maybe that's for another session. So. Uh, absolutely. No, I appreciate it, Eric. They, it's been a super interesting conversation. And, you know, it's obviously, and as you pointed out, effectively, I think people underestimate the amount of European M&A activity that happens in Canada, and particularly in the mid-market. And I think it's been great to get your perspective and to hear it and to hear also I think that uh, how diversified it is and, you know, it's it's dynamic. And so thank you for joining us and thank you for highlighting that aspect of uh, mid-market M&A activity. Thanks, Mira. My pleasure. Look forward to uh, chatting again in the future. <laughs>